0: Episode 182. I'm um, your host, my guest, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always.
1: Uh, definitely not eating a sandwich, David on family
2: master. <laughs> and has already taken the time to finish his lunch, Michael Baker, Gaijin Minogatari.
0: Awesome. Yes. I already forgot what I was going to say next, so someone else...
1: Listen, I was don't hassle me. I was just getting off, getting done with uh, commentating on a friend's stream, so I had and to
0: eat where I could take it. Oh, nice, more and Final Fantasy, uh, World of Final Fantasy, I assume. Yep, yep, more of that. Nice. I got bored halfway through and started reading about bandit matters. <laughs> Uh, I, started, I actually started playing that recently. It's pretty fun if you can force your way through the intro.
1: I feel like it's a very strange game because it's selling you on the idea that it's a crossover game, but none of the Final Fantasy characters ever talk to each other or even stick around for more than five minutes, so it's very strange. Yeah. That feels like, that feels like it's not even missing the mark so much as like you're told to shoot at the target and you, like turn 180 degrees and shoot someone else in the face. It's a pretty accurate description. Very strange. I don't really get what they were going for. They didn't even have, like, someone else breathing down their neck about how they were allowed to use the characters. They just used them very strangely. Yeah. 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 Haven't been playing that. Just been watching someone else play it and been being just genuinely puzzled about why it is the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Okay. What about uh, you, Gaijin? I saw, well, before we were starting you were saying that you were you were, uh, going to stop fighting a certain mini-boss, and I was curious what you were planning.
2: Oh, no, no, not fighting. Dying to.
1: Yes, dying to. <laughs>
2: Um, I recently picked up a review code for a Metroidvania game called Batbarian Mm -hmm. which is fun and interesting and far more puzzle centric than I was expecting and on a scale of 1 to Dark Souls it's probably about an (laughs) 8 for uh, for character longevity Ah. yeah Um, it's got some fairly tight platforming from the get-go. And whenever my Switch decides to start ghosting in a a given direction, it does not always... Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Joy-Con Drift will not play nicely with that kind of game. Yeah,
2: not always conducive to my health, Um, Hmm. especially when I keep walking off a cliff by accident because I'm trying to aim something and I take my my thumb off the joystick and it decides to start walking left (laughs) off the cliff. Listen, Multiple times in a row.
1: It's fine. Everything's fine.
2: You just need to learn to fly. <laughs> yeah, And, um... The boss battles are... I mean, they're... Aside from the fact it takes me like five to ten times through to make sure I actually know how to beat them properly and then actually do it. Um... <laughs> um Yeah, I mean, the first boss is a giant slime that will jump, bum-rush you, um, summon smaller slimes, and occasionally teleport itself across the screen to fall on you. Oh, good. Yeah, it was fun. Um, And then the second boss is a three-headed lich, who also teleports around, summons um, smaller enemies, chain lightning, gale force winds... And occasionally, an anti life barrier around himself. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that
1: sounds like it's going great.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, by comparison, this mini boss I'm currently facing is just an oversized version of one of the little and er- little, uh, littler enemies, mm-hmm. and it's just not a lot of room to work with mm-hmm. when trying to jump to avoid him. <laughs> Plus, um. I mean, there's a checkpoint right before or right at the entrance, so I can go straight back to the the door to his room as soon as I die. Mm-hmm. I just don't have a lot of health at that point from getting to it, which is one of the reasons why I keep dying. I'm, I'm fighting it at literally half health. Mm-hmm. So that's going great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, it's um, it's certainly an interesting game, and it has a surprising amount of I'm not going to say plot, but supporting character text. So um, it's like I play Remember, I played. Um, it was uh, what was the Game Boy Advance Castlevania Circle of the Moon, or which one of several? Yeah, yeah, and it's like. Yeah, I mean, I'm only past the sec- past the second boss on this game, and it's got like five times more actual story content than Circle of the Moon did in its entirety. Hmm. So, um, and a lot of it's just based around the fact that this adventure is basically the barbarian hero telling of his or her exploits and occasionally having flashbacks or narrating stuff. Or if you die to a boss, quite often they'll, you'll hear a con- or see a conversation where it's like, oh, come on, haven't you, how many times could you possibly die in the story? It's mm-hmm. like, I'm not making this up honest. And then <laughs> actually end up giving the player hints on how to beat the boss through banter. <laughs> it's it's entertaining. Occasionally quite frustrating, but entertaining. <laughs> Huh. I'll be interested to hear more of what you end up thinking.
0: I still love the title of the game.
2: Yep. Oh, yes, and the hero has a little bat companion who is constantly glowing, is anathema to most undead, and is crucial to solving most of the puzzles in the game.
0: hmm
2: So, mainly because you get access to different fruits that make him do different things in order to get through stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs> Makes it sound kind of like ukulele never played that one it's
1: Different Yes, different There's just the presence of a small band friend yeah.
0: but, uh, Wheels, what have you been playing? Uh, Hades Finish that? Yes I okay. finish it in roll credits I can talk about some spoilery things but you won't, because I haven't played it. Uh, yes, but... Uh, yes, the final the final battle before you roll credits was pretty nice. Because there was none. <laughs> 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 For once. Really? Yes. Uh, I won't say why, because that goes into kind of st- story spoilers, but... Yes. Uh, it ends nicely and has a nice setup for why you can keep doing runs and kind of continuing on in the game because uh, still plenty of stuff to do and unlock and even hints that either there's more story bits in the post game or perhaps they're going to add more later at some point so uh, it's yeah mm-hmm. it's sweet I'm still getting new like story conversations and stuff like that and Wheels isn't even the only one on the site that likes it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Well, the review just went up of 4.5. Yeah. Uh, it is definitely a contender for my RPG of the year, with uh, Final Fantasy VII, obviously. Good, good. I wouldn't,
1: want, I wouldn't want you to not have that as a contender. I might have to fight you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. It's,
0: so. a, it's a contender. We'll see. I, I'm not really not really sure and you know it might play Yakuza like a dragon next month and be like well screw all other games
1: guess who just ran
0: away <laughs> uh, it's uh we'll see despite it all it's been a pretty good year for RPGs yeah mm-hmm. oh and uh, I guess uh whatchamacallit cyberpunk yeah that comes out
1: Still still a wide crowd. Still a wide, op- wide set of
0: options. What else is coming I feel like there's something else, too. Are missing is some? it a
1: big name or indie? I don't know.
0: Well, TBD. It can't be that big. So I can't remember it.
1: Everyone just play uh... Yeah, so Like a Dragon, please.
0: Mm hmm.
1: That's great. It's finally dubbed. Especially anyone that's ever asked if we're going to get another big turn-based RPG. Yes.
2: <laughs> oh, the world's cutest co-host is awake now. <laughs> hello. Hey. hey. Here, have some water. Or some lunch. Okay, well, l- <laughs> let's keep talking and I will feed, I feed her. Hello. Say hello. Hello. Huh? She thinks you're grandpa. Sadly, not so much. No. I'm not that old. One day we'll. One day, one day. But no, it's just... Whenever we're talking to somebody on the computer, it's usually grandma and grandpa. Okay. Here. Pattern so, recognition
1: is good to see in a child.
2: Yes. Oh, she has learned what the remote control is for on the TV.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) Uh. So,
2: yes, so if the TV show ends and it's time to turn on something new, she will grab the remote and whack me on the head with it. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's also pattern recognition. Not always. It's usually an accident when that happens. But she knows what it's for and she wants it. Okay. Hey, how are you feeling?
1: Uh, let's uh, go hit some of these questions while we got the time.
0: Yeah
1: uh, so uh, we'll hit some of the ones on episode 180 since 181 just went up as we speak. <laughs> uh yes, hit some of the
0: questions it's up. It's totally up. That's
1: yes. They won't be able to tell whether you're uh, lying. Um, let's see let's hit some of the questions on episode one eighty uh, this one's from Budai. Do you like your Dragon Quests with or without a class system?
2: Mm. I mean, that's, I mean, there are so many, I mean, there are good games with with and without. Yeah. Although I think yeah. I usually like the ones without more than the ones with. Yeah.
1: I don't well, think that that's necessarily an indictment of the class system so much as the kinds of games they tend to make with a class system tend to be less my street. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I prefer the ones with and yeah. it's often because I don't like the way they do character advancement outside of class system.
1: I can't believe that Wheels is the world's greatest Dragon Quest Six fan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I really enjoyed Dragon Quest Seven on the 3DS when I played it. Yes. Though mm-hmm. so I, When I wrote the, the impression, I did make a point of giving the exact time stamp for uh, when I got to All Trades Abbey. Yeah. And was, and was able to make use of All Trades Abbey. 30, which are two distinct timestamps separated by like five hours. <laughs> and only about an hour and a half in the new version. Yeah, yeah. Which, was, which was half the reason of giving the st- timestamp was to give a solid... or a solid thing that the game had improved on its pace. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and also, I really liked... Dragon Quest 3, when I played it on Game Boy Advance, it was not Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color. It was very fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is kind of... I feel like, at least in Japan, like, 3 is kind of the most archetypal Dragon Quest. Like, the one that they most like to call back to.
2: I mean, it was the one that literally caused, like, not exactly writing, but caused some major... Issues with the retailers when it was released. They had to do it on a Saturday for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. There's a great
1: uh, subquest in Yakuza Zero that they couldn't resist referencing. That where like you see a kid get like his copy of Arakure Quest stolen, <laughs> and you have to like chase people across town trying to find, trying to steal back this copy of Dragon Quest Three. Uh, excuse me, Atakude Quest 3. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so, but yeah, um, but if I had to go with, for example, like my favorite, my favorite 8-bit Dragon Quest, which is actually a fan game. I was just thinking about this earlier. <laughs> did, did you guys ever play Dragon Warrior Begin a New Quest? No.
1: Because I know uh, I, had, I remember I, I downloaded it. I don't <laughs> think I had, I've had time to actually play it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, it... It doesn't have a job system, I think partly because Matt couldn't figure out how, or wasn't sure how to implement it properly. And also, because he was more focused on uh, getting a cool story out, and it was a very good story. Mm. So. But yeah. I guess a lot just depends on the overall game.
1: Yeah. Like, the way I describe it is that, like, it's not that I dislike, or particularly, like, class versus not class, so much as they tend to a lot of the uh, class-based games, like if, especially if they're calling back to three, tend to be the ones with uh, no party, but, like no character party. And I kind of like the characters in Dragon Quest. So, yeah,
2: <clears throat> yep. Or that uh, I means true, of, like a heavy job system in any RPG. Yeah, I it, mean, with with or without a regular cast, because. I again, I'm I'm remembering back to that one April Fool's article I wrote, denouncing Bravely Default. And it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's got a class system, but what everyone always forgets is that if you give them a job class system, you end up making four xeroxed copies of the exact same character build.
1: <laughs> Man, that that would even be fine if it weren't for the fact that every time someone opens their mouth in Bravely Default, I get unhappy. So,
0: yeah. It's because you have a class system doesn't mean your game has class. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh yeah. wheels getting philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> With wordplay. But,
2: I'm also remembering some of the guys on the forums, uh, our forums, but like GameFAQ's forums when Dragon Quest VII's remake came out. Yeah. And there was this one guy in particular who was, I mean, you know the type who is absolutely convinced that he knows the exact best way to do it. Oh, no. And no cannot be convinced otherwise. And... um. And he just he can he just could not understand why people didn't finish the game with this particular build, uh, which was pretty much the same character four times over. Ugh. And it's like because we want some variety, dude. Because there's more <laughs> things to do than just have four Ugh. battle maps with all bashing things.
1: The least, in, like, was the reason that like the way that I. Play the way that I learned to enjoy five was by playing the four job Fiesta, where I just had to play characters as they were given
2: to me. Mm. Oh no! I mean, when I did Final Fantasy V, I mean, I did do um, a couple. Um, I mean, I occasionally just put everyone on everything on edge everyone, just to have the was it, the sweet endorphin rush of leveling something up. Number go up. Number go up. Feel good. Yes. But I did have um, I basically assigned specific jobs to specific characters, um, and just kept them going through that just partly based on how they looked in the outfit. I liked Ferris as a dancer, for example. She,
1: she looked oh yeah, nice. that's,
2: a, that's a very cute out- cute sprite. And combining that with two-handed grip and something else, I remember she hit like a, oof, um, as a dancer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, swords Dance, if you manage to get it and you usually want to equip uh, one of it's- the accessories that increases the odds of that but Swords Dance plus uh, two-handed plus like a really strong weapon is just ridiculous numbers
2: Yeah And see, if I were more of a min maxer so I would have done that for everybody if possible, but no, it's like let's do this, let's do that, let's have some fun Yeah Yeah. Let's have Butts leading his combat harem into the heart of darkness (laughs) and destroying the evil tree. Bye-bye.
1: Listen, what happens when too many wizards die and then a bunch of them fall into the same tree? That's what FF5 aimed to discover. Mm. (sighs) x death, you are
2: profoundly lame, but it's okay because the game you're in is pretty good. Well... I actually many years ago I made I had a uh, an idea for basically a Final Fantasy themed webcomic Yeah. That used as many different summons characters from from the main series and side's games as possible, and <coughs> it was fun. Uh, with, I actually took a lot of random stuff from Final Fantasy V. Yeah. Like the uh, the demons of the abyss were the main villain set. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the anti-Adalons. That makes sense. Yeah. With uh, I think it was Necrophobe as the main, as the uh, principal villain.
1: Yeah. You can never kill him fast enough to save poor Porkyokemish. Mm. Yeah. Uh,
2: and uh, but, if I remember, the the hero the hero of the piece was actually Shiva. Hmm. Based on one of the Chocobo Mystery Dungeon games, where she was a teenager. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Crossed with a bit of Terra's backstory, where the uh, the initial villain, human villain group, basically was breaking boundaries between dream worlds and stealing Adalons, mm-hmm. and they grabbed her entire family from the realms of elements. Rude. Yep. So I had fun, and just. Just because I couldn't find a good uh, mother figure and/or dark element character um, Edelon to use in that story, I ended up borrowing Sharaka from uh, *Romancing Saga*. Nice, wow. As her mom, we—you did not want to piss her mom off. <laughs> okay. okay, but yeah, So, yeah. Um, if if anyone out there has not heard of or played Matt Demers' Dragon Warrior Begin a New Quest fan game for uh, PC, go check it out. It's a really good little game. Still eminently findable, after I checked. Yes. It's good enough that if he just uh, swapped out all the, car- all the monster sprites for off-brand versions of Dragon Quest monsters, you could probably release it on Steam. Hmm.
1: Something against it. <laughs> Uh, let's
2: see. Then change a couple item names so they weren't specifically referencing Dragon Quest 2
0: or 3.
1: Yeah. Which, or 6. Yeah. Same thought process.
2: Yeah. So uh,
0: the moral of this question is uh, Dragon Quest 7 is best. Thank you. Next question.
1: It's not, but okay.
0: No. <laughs> Dragon Quest 7 is an
2: interesting approach that I personally liked. I can see why others did not. I like the vignette approach to storytelling, it worked out really well, all things considered. But I have played far too many RPGs over the years, and I've seen stuff that works and stuff that absolutely does not work. And I think I have a broader baseline for good than a lot of people.
1: I just wish they'd cut to some of their stronger material sometimes. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, This one's a slow ball down the middle directly at wheels. Sweet. Uh, Would I
0: ask... it a slow ball? Yes. Okay. Softball. So that it's you can easily hit it. I gotcha. It's a softball down I'm the middle. I'm picking up what you're putting down.
1: I am putting wheels down into a trash can. Uh, but I asks Is Hades the premier game of the roguelike genre?
0: Yes, actually. Um, uh, I mean, even with all these roguelikes out there, I think it's still a genre a lot of people have trouble getting into. Um,. And a lot of that has to do with progression. Like when people play a game, they want to feel like they're accomplishing something. And obviously the whole idea behind a roguelike is not necessarily that you're not getting any progression, but that you're res- resetting to some sort of like zero state all the time. So, um, you know, roguelites, and we call them roguelites because... Uh, they're doing less of that and giving you some sort of progression. And there's been a lot of different approaches in that regard, and a lot of them have given you progression by, okay, you, you the things you can find on your run improve as you play, which I personally think is the best approach. because
2: that Or doesn't... purchasing permanent upgrades at base camp if you find the right items to do it
0: that's right that too yeah. but i think those sorts of approaches while i really like those games they kind of create this state where okay your early runs in the game are dest des- destined for failure and that's not necessarily uh the the best way to go about that
2: uh, unless you're playing
0: Baroque and the,
2: occasionally the uh, the condition to continue is to die three times in a row.
0: True. But Baroque's a special case. Yeah. Um. So I think that's that's the struggle of ro- a lot of roguelikes or roguelites, whatever you want to call them, have run into. And uh, Hades has sort of found a solution for that in that um, the story progresses as you go along, regardless of whether you've had a successful run or not. Obviously, at some point you need to have one for the story to reach its natural conclusion. Um, But, you know, even if that takes a while, you'll still be getting, progressing the story along, unlocking Unlocking things, but your failed runs don't necessarily feel, like, pointless like they sometimes can in a lot of other games. So it's kind of cracked the code in a lot of ways. Of how, to, how to do a roguelike that doesn't always feel like runs may be a waste of time. And it's granted, it's not necessarily doing anything that a lot of other games haven't in that regard. There's still the permanent upgrades, there's still like, um, uh, doing, doing certain things, you'll now find new things when on your runs, and things like that. It's doing all the things those are doing, it's just finding a way, a better way to do it that doesn't make it feel like certain runs are just like a completely, completely a waste of time. And It can even be funny about it, like when you when you die and return to, like the the house of Hades. uh, What's his name? Hypnos will often make a comment about like how you die, and will even like name out like you know normal mobs that have murdered you. Like, oh, this guy killed you this time. Got to watch out for their attack. You know things like that. It's it's uh, it's really done. Uh, kind of the best with this genre. And, um. Of course, uh, you forgot one of the other
2: ways that they can take. They can change the situation. What's that?
0: Have it be a roguelike, but not an RPG. Ah, uh, yes. True. And that's generally what a, a lot of roguelites have been, is they kind of take out some of the RPG elements and make it more action I guess or do other different
2: things or the other way around um, if the more action it is the
0: less it needs to have permanent upgrades yeah, exactly and then a lot of in a lot of those cases too then it you don't necessarily get into that situation where it feels like your early runs are doomed and I, I can certainly see why some, why some people don't like that because I've played some some like that where it's like well, you know, I like this game, but it'd be nice if I had a chance (laughs) to begin with instead of feeling like I'm just going to, you know, hit a wall. Um, And I'm not necessarily going to say that Hades doesn't fall into that same trap, but I think, like, from a narrative perspective, uh, it works better that you can't necessarily win right away. Because, you know, they want to kind of... Depace out the story A certain way so, uh, okay. Long story short It's uh, the best roguelike Out there And I think a lot of games are going to be taking cues From it And oh. the, the genre is going to be A lot better for it For sure Okay oh. <laughs>
2: Sorry just a moment. The co-host is feeling well enough to start refusing lunch. Uh. <laughs> As you do. Because she wants orange slices. She has discovered meek and oranges, and she likes them.
1: That's important.
0: Yes. Here you go.
1: Yeah. Uh.
0: Yeah, I think that's all I got on, on on that.
1: I promise I wasn't tuned out for any portion of that.
0: <laughs> Live.
1: But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, and a last one from Budai. Do you like your strategy RPGs to have more
2: straightforward maps or ones with quirks to them?
1: I feel like most j- strategy RPGs need a mix of both of these, or else. Uh... Yeah.
2: Yeah. If you want an example of RPG maps that don't have a lot of quirks to them, Look at anything by flight plan
0: and its uh, imitators. Okay. Look at most of Disgaea Five, which is why I came keeps me off. Wow, wow. sorry, yeah. sorry, I won't go back. I won't dig that back up again.
2: Yeah. I mean, when I say like, of course, i mean, house things like um, like goals that are simply just kill everything over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, it's it a little so, yeah tiring.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, give multiple. Uh, multiple goals or progressive goals where you have no idea what's actually going to happen at any point in the battle. Yeah. Have fun. Um, I'm thinking, oh, oh yeah. One, but played for a PlayStation called Mark of the Mermaid. Oh, the the sheep's coming back. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good one. Um, There's this one map that was um, start off with a bridge over a short ravine. And when you're crossing over it, um, when the, your main character st- walks across the bridge, it, part of it breaks and he falls down into the ravine. And if anyone tries to go back across the bridge to try and help him, monsters pop up on the other side. And so hmm. suddenly it's a rescue mission.
0: Huh. <laughs>
2: yeah. Things like that. So, But I mean, that was also an attempt at a survival horror tactical oh. RPG. Ooh, so. that sounds weird survival horror tactical RPG that makes direct references to the um, Cthulhu mythos huh I mean direct direct references because one of your characters is a grad student from Miskatonic University (laughs) (laughs) who when you find her is about to get crucified by the crazed island natives so and the main character's girlfriend is slowly turning into a deep one So. Okay then. Yes. So, which means that the co- the sexy mermaid covered art cover art is a lie. <laughs> Can't because it's the like... same character but she does not look that good as a half fish person.
1: Funny how that works.
2: Yeah. Uh, Nothing to do with Hans Christian uh, Ever- uh, Anderson, uh, everything to do with Howard Phillips g- Lovecraft. G- and it's yeah. great. <laughs> it could have been imp- could have been better, but it was pretty awesome to begin with. Yeah. Okay. But but it was also the king of giving you some really weird curveballs in battles. That's important, like and occasionally never-ending battles. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, just just for spice.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I say never-ending, is like the. The monsters never stopped popping up. It's just you had to get everyone, all the survivors, to a specific spot on the map to trigger the next event.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's always someone.
0: Yeah. I'm so. uh, trying to think of other games had a lot of interesting maps. Um, Mario and Rabbids, I think, was always good at this. Mm. Whereas, yeah, there were maps where it was just kill all the enemies, but the terrain was often changing in interesting ways and there were... Well, I guess they reused the same objectives a lot, but they always kind of mixed it enough that um, kept things interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not always the variety of objectives as much as it is the variety of ways to get to the objectives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What was I thinking? Project Cross Zone. Mm-hmm. Had some really bizarre ones at times. I'm still remembering the Battle of Chat Noir um, in near, like, two thirds of the way through Project Cross Zone. And that battle took, like, almost two hours because it kept getting new villains in and other things happened and this happened and that
0: happened. and Yeah, that sounds yeah. like that <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one I always liked for providing lots of weird objectives is Disgaea 3 which uh obviously that series is known for lots of weird maps but that one specifically uh had one very memorable map that I always like to bring up where uh the majority of the map is filled with insta death panels where if you end a character ends their turn on that panel they die <laughs> and, that, and that includes like enemies so Yeah, Um, trying to figure out how to maneuver your way around and kill all the enemies is very interesting and really a lot of fun. So,
2: so hooray for mechanics that can be used against the enemy. Yes, and not just you. Yes. Well, one way, one reason why Final Fantasy Tactics events one was better than number two. Two. Agreed. Yeah, Yeah. it wasn't for the land make system, no, but it was the laws. Those worked really well. I rage quit Advanced 2 after that one incident with the. It's like, finish this quest without breaking the law, and the law was no status ailments, and the battle was five marbles.
0: <laughs> I could
2: just never get into two. I don't know what it was. Yeah, it was. It just wasn't as good in many ways. Yeah. But, I mean, but part of it was just the fact that laws were static to a map. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then the punishments for breaking the law were the kind of things that only affected players. It's like a hold on any resurrections and um, negating the, the team ability. And it's like, that, that is not a negative for anybody except the player,
0: mm.
2: regardless of who breaks the law. The, the enemy breaks the law, hey, they don't actually get penalized because it doesn't affect them. And that is that is not how you design a bonus system for an RPG. No. Yeah, as
1: it turns out, making the game tedious and unfun.
2: Yeah. So Whereas at least in Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, if you knew that in the next battle the character was gonna be using fireballs, you could just wait until the no fire law comes up and he's screwed. <laughs> I've done this that a few is- times. <laughs> It's like, first time he attacks, yellow card. He has no other magic spells. He has to keep casting fire. (laughs) Or do it when there's bombs. (laughs) So, okay, so... Do we have any more open free questions, or do we resort back to the long-ass list. <laughs> We've got
1: one from Crawl. Uh, I suspect Breath of the Wild 2 will be simply more of the same and have no problem with that. However, do you see a uh, scope for a Majora's Mask-style fresh take using an old engine? And what changes or new direction would you like to see? I'm not sure what they're gonna do with Breath of the Wild 2, just by virtue of the fact that, like, there's a lot of room to do new things with that map,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: but, you know, I, I can't imagine they'll be hugely expanding the scope either, so.
2: Yeah. I mean, would they be using the same map, or will they be taking you to a new country?
1: It looks like it'd probably be the same map, just based on what little we know about it, which is almost nothing, but.
2: And bigger question is, how is it going to tie in with Hyrule Warriors too? Yeah. Uh, Which is Hyrule Warriors 2 is origin. a prequel.
1: Yeah, yeah like exactly.
2: that's a prequel that's kind of like filling
1: out details about the background that ex- that like bits of it exist in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. So but can
2: I mean, you imagine like they might? Okay. Can you imagine the downer of the fact that you know how the world is going to turn out after the end of the game? It's almost as bad as the end of Ocarina of Time, where hey, yes, you beat Ganon in the future, but Ganon in the right now is going to be kicking everyone's butt soon.
1: I mean, that's that's kind of what I like about it. It's just, like, I like games that are... I like a lot of times when a game is, like, an inevitable tragedy. Mm. Lobos. Like, like, a lot of games, uh, you know, they're, they're built around the idea that, like, the, the player is theoretically averting terrible outcomes, but, like, you'll get these games that are like, eh, no, not... Like, for all the things that you'll amass, it's all dust in the wind. You're going to get destroyed at the end.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, Choose the path of least destruction.
1: I remember... Uh, I mean, like, you know, the... the the inevitable end point of, of, of Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII didn't stop people from appreciating that game. So. Just as one example. So.
2: Yeah, but that's part of the interesting thing with prequel games. Yeah. Unless they're set really far ahead to the point where you don't even realize they're a prequel until you get to the end. Of Dragon Quest III. <laughs> Thanks.
1: <laughs> uh... Yeah, or I mean, like uh, Lufia Two is definitely the most beloved thing that ever came out of that series.
2: Yeah, it's fun to just kind of ignore that every other game in the series.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't think any of the other games in the series are popular. It's one of those things where I've never met a fan of Lufia the series. I've met fans of Lufia Two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's my thoughts. We you got anything, any wish list for Breath of the Wild too? No.
0: Uh, no. Just I would, I, would like their imaginations to run wild and make whatever the heck. Uh, so uh, after that game, I would trust whatever they make. So. Just do you remember me, our, give our give conversation me a cool about thing.
2: Monster Hunter style games with other, um, with other series and IPs? And yes. we were talking about like literally making equipment out of the dead bodies of zelda monsters Ooh, Ooh. it's like using p-hat parts to make flying whatever flying whips and things all right i have a new wish list (laughs) yeah that's about the only way i could think of that would really make things fun is like if you have the ability to kill a moldorm and then use its carapace to make yourself better armor
0: breath of the hunter give it to me. Yes. Yes, I want this. Need to make my moblin armor, please. Please and thank
2: you. Oh no, no. You steal the armor from the moblins cuz they're too squishy otherwise. Moblins are moblin carapace
1: not useful for that much. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh my wish list, and I'm going to throw the Molotov and run. Keep the breakable weapons. Um,
0: it's not a Molotov. I agree with you. I'm
1: not I'm not saying that it's a Molotov for you, but it's a Molotov uh, yes. for people that discuss that game. And, uh, let's
0: see. I just... I'm sorry, I don't understand the complaint. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I
1: understand the complaint, but I disagree with it. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> You're... You want a different game. Sorry.
1: Yeah, so in conclusion, uh, we are now. Now, it's, now we're back to the big old list. So, anyone got any that are. Uh, oh, I should probably check the podcast section to make sure that nothing new has come up since.
2: Podcast here 180 Boulder's Original Send. Just do crawl. Uh, oh, you mean the the
1: Discord?
2: Yeah, Discord. the Discord. Discord, nothing less than I saw.
1: Nothing new in the podcast section of Discord since I last looked, so... Okay. Uh, oh, did we did we get these area questions last time? Yeah, I think we did, yeah. Oh, uh, you no, did? No, we, okay. only,
0: we only did the Pokemon one. I don't think we okay, did
1: the other Okay, ones. yeah, I remembered the Pokemon one, so I assumed we must have gotten the others. So we, we'll quickly run down some of these as well. Uh, with the recent return to popularity of strategy RPGs, why is Square Enix so unwilling to release a new ta- uh, F of Tactics on console rather than as a mobile gacha? Uh, Square bets on big hits. They don't uh, bet on sort of things that will do okay in the console yeah. space.
0: The main Final Fantasy series is a lot bigger.
1: It, it's always a case of like, it, like Square is fully in, for their console games, they're fully in the blockbuster business something is either a huge hit or they don't bother. Uh, and, like, that's why we're going to keep seeing, like, Brave X VS Final Fantasy, I forget the full name of the tactical one. But, yeah.
0: Uh, I don't think Tactics ever sold as well as the other PS1 Final Fantasies either, so... I mean, they didn't make as many copies either. Like That game was okay. uh,
1: very rare for, like, four years. But, I, I mean, like, to, to do comparative... Uh, discussion here like Fire Emblem Three Houses is like a runaway success for a tactical RPG and it sold a couple million units and like Final Fantasy 7 Remake sold like three and a half million units in a couple days uh, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like SRPGs are comparatively successful compared to where they've been in the past but they're not the kind of thing
2: that Square devotes console RPG levels of resources to because they know it won't sell as much as their stuff that they are already focusing on.
1: Yeah, like this is where you start getting into like corporations and how they view
2: opportunity cost. Yeah,
1: and yeah, tactical tactical games you can justify easily at a mobile budget, but mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean yeah. like they kind of needed that because like they keep launching all these goddamn gotcha games. Oh my god, there's so many of them.
2: Because like, again, keep... it's a format that makes money.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying, like, there's so many Final Fantasy gotchas that I can't keep track of what each of their gimmicks is. But... Yeah, and... and Oh, yeah, I just remembered what I think the Brave Exvius FF Tactics knockoffs, I think it's called, like, War of the Visions, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. That was, was, like, the most interesting of their mobile offerings. It's the only one I actually looked at. But... (laughs) but yeah like it's it's one of those things like tactile rpgs are in a much better place than they've been in the past few years but it's still uh it's still like small potatoes compared to the mainstream like uh fast-paced action rpg is really the mainstream of the genre which is why you've seen final fantasy sort of uh slide into the action rpg space over the past few games rather than uh Mm -hmm. Being a turn-based affair, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the thought process, and why I don't think we'll be seeing a new console out of tactics. Love to be wrong, but probably not.
2: As with mo- so many things in the industry, if you really want a game like Final Fantasy Tactics, you're going to have to look to the indies and see who else really likes that kind of game and is trying to make one. Yep.
1: Yeah, we're never go- we're not going to see a big budget AAA. Uh, Strategy RPG from Square is, I guess, the thought process.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's part of the corporate evolution is all the people at the studios who were really, really gung-ho about making something have either finally retired or are making their own projects now. mm. So
1: uh this next one's a bit loaded but we can probably rattle off something are you tired of the rampant trend of fan service over plot and recent jrpgs i would strike out the word recent because it's not a recent trend
2: <laughs>
0: no. yeah my i mean dude, Ari is, my dude, is uh, fairly Neptun- young i mean his idea yeah. of recent may be a bit different from ours i was gonna say my dude neptunia just turned 10 years old
1: i don't even mean that like i just mean like the dating sim rpg is old enough to drink <laughs>
0: Yeah.
2: Um, like, yeah, I mean, it's you can find, like, I mean, it's fan services as old as anime, and anime informs most of the JRPG plotlines to begin with.
0: Yeah. So you're always
2: going to have at least one random bit of fan service, that, even in a lot of the older games, if, as long as they're actually graphically capable of handling it.
1: The Abunai Mizuki in Dragon Quest dates back to the MSX version of Dragon Quest 2. The
2: the what Mizuki?
1: What? Abunai Mizuki.
2: Abunai Mizuki. Okay, remind me. What world are we talking the about? The Dangerous here? Swimsuit. Oh, that. Oh, I heard Mizuki. I'm like, okay, Mizuki.
1: Yeah, oh, Mizuki. Yeah. I was probably slurring a bit. But yeah, Abunai Mizuki uh, dates back to Dragon Quest 2 on the MSX. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, so Metal Max, this the Soldier Girl character is usually, I mean, in the character art looks like something from an late eighties, um, like hair metal band, <laughs> crossed with leg warmers for jazzercise, and that series has always had bulletproof, um, bulletproof brasiers, I believe was one of her equipment items.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I think a f- official art of the. A uh, soldier class from Dragon Quest Three stunted the sexual development of like an entire ge- like generation of Japanese children. So. Yeah,
0: like, so,
2: I mean, you can argue that the prevalence has increased. Especially well, I think that's more a function of like capacity gacha. to show it, capacity to show it, and the uh, increasing prevalence of the gacha format because that. Encourages more designs and a yeah. need to want to see more designs, which usually means more skin. Yeah, unless what you're I'm that one that. artist guy who, when asked to do a swimsuit version of a character he had drawn, he drew her in a drew her in a diving bell outfit.
1: Oh yeah, yeah I heard about that one. But yeah, Never like thought I
2: thought it was hilarious because this guy is just that weird at times.
1: Yeah, I remember. But yeah, like this this kind of thing is it's one of those things like. People have been, like, there's a lot of games that, like, I, I guess, like, I, I take issue with the recent tag on this, not just because, like, you know, there's this is an old trope, but also just the idea that, like, a lot of times the games that now would be fan service games were games that had essentially nothing in its place before. <laughs> like, all, yeah. all of those forgettable RPGs that have basically no notable hooks that you've forgotten about because they're games like oh, I'm trying to think like even trying to pull one up it's just like an endless mess of schlock and it's like all I'm thinking of are games that are actively horrendous like Beyond yeah. the Beyond it's just I like, think
2: the right term here is survivorship bias
1: Yeah, it's, it's straight up like we have a preference towards remembering games that were good and we forget about all of the ones that are just Profoundly boring, and now the profoundly boring uh, boring ones are also profoundly horny most of the time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Either that or Chemco. Yeah. Yeah, but people treat the Chemco publishing group as a new thing, and it's not. They're just actually Chemco's gathered under old, one roof now. Dirt. Yeah. And I'll, uh, like, Chemco
1: is one of those situations where. Like my people talk about Chemco and say they remember them for like boring, like fairly dull RPGs, and all I remember is, oh god, I ran a Batman game by them once, and it's one of the worst things I've ever played.
0: Is that Batman Dark Tomorrow? It
1: is Batman wow. Dark Tomorrow, <laughs> which has the dubious honor of being one of the worst Batman game, perhaps the worst Batman game ever released. Which that's you play, a low,
2: That's a low batarang to hop over.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's sub the Batman and Robin tie-in game. Sub the Batman Forever tie-in game that's made in the Mortal Kombat engine, despite being a platformer. It's it's bad. Don't don't get involved in that. But yeah, like I, I just think that Do I find these games tedious? Yeah, but I mean I've been sifting through garbage for as long as I've been playing video games, so it's mostly just something I sort of shake my head at.
2: <laughs> preach it, brother. Preach it.
1: <laughs> and uh, I, this is one that we might have some fun with. Uh, Arias, last question: What RPGs, Western titles included, do you play? Uh, do you play for the mood this Halloween season? Hmm. Um, I don't. I just play stuff. Yeah, but let's. I'm expanding this question out to what RPGs would you recommend as, like, a good Halloween RPG? Okay, um,
2: Mark of the Mermaid. (laughs) Speaking of. Yeah. Um, Costume Quest, obviously. I've never played it, but it's the most obvious answer here because it is actually Halloween themed.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sweet Home would be a good one if you're a retro hound.
2: Yeah. Uh, That one's incredibly mean, though. Uh, but, yeah. Something. Uh, I had a random idea for a kind of a Metroidvania RPG based around Universal's Monster Universe.
1: Castlevania is kind of that, but I understand yeah. where you're getting that
2: I mean, literally, it's like you, you the hero and her, his or her group of friends are visiting a, a Universal um, theme park themed around all the monster movies, mm-hmm. and then something bizarre happens, and all the friends are kidnapped by various monster movie monsters. That's
1: fun. I'd like that. Yeah. I'm broke brain, so now I'm thinking about Ill Bleed, but that's not an RPG, so no one has to hear about Ill Bleed again.
2: Okay, well, if you want to get into the horror scary side of Halloween, Darkest Dungeon. Oh, yeah, that does yeah. fit. Actually. You could honestly Salt probably Darkest say some Dungeon, of the wizardry Salt games. And Sanctuary, well. any of the ones that just go really um, mythos on yeah.
1: Bloodborne, yeah. definitely. Um,
2: Parasite Eve. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: See. But yeah, there's there's a lot of uh spooky themed RPGs, at least a little bit. Uh Kodelka, maybe?
2: Yeah.
1: That's a spooky one. I'm not sure how obtainable at this stage Codelka is, but I think it might have gotten a PC re-release a few years back. I'm not sure how advisable it is to play Kodelka, because it's kind of bad, but it's uh weird. It's so that's blood stained. Uh, yeah, bloodstained. Okay.
2: Yeah, Bloodstain's good. It's,
1: uh, yeah, it's, it's Metroidvania, but it's got plenty of RPG in it. It's real good. <laughs> yep,
2: It's got a very mixed-up castle. Oh, man, that one's huge, too. Yeah. But I love the fact that the, the heroine actually comments to her friend, what is up with the architecture in this castle? And he's like, it came from hell. What do you expect?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's
2: just like, eh, it's...
1: It's, it's a hell castle. You're gonna have to live with some, some oddities here. Yeah. Uh yeah, Bloodstains, great. Uh but yeah, a lot of a lot of spooky options. Uh, yeah. Um Wales you got any?
0: I have one but I forgot what it was.
1: Come on, I believe in you. Uh,
0: excuse me minute, I need to
2: change diaper. Gotcha. <laughs> let me uh I will be listening in I'm just going to mute the microphone
1: understandable Wheels. you have all the time
0: I can't remember what it was
1: bigger than a bed box western Japanese I don't know uh, I'm ready to play 20 questions to resolve this
0: something creepy-ish uh
1: okay Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like...
0: <laughs> now I'm
1: just thinking of, like, spooky games directed by people who are more notable for RPGs. So my brain is going on to Deep Fear for the Saturn.
0: What the hell?
1: Uh, deep Fear was Resident Evil on a submarine. Uh, Resident I want...
0: Evil on a submarine. Okay.
1: He's and saying. I'm double-checking to make sure that I'm not super wrong about... Uh, who I'm recalling being involved in it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, Rieko Kodama was the producer on Deep Fear. Huh. So, you know, if you want to play a Resident Evil-style game from the uh, one of the key voices behind *Fantasy uh, Star and Skies of Arcadia and Magic Knight Rayearth on the Saturn... Like, there's, that's your game. <laughs> <sighs> it's, it's a pretty good one, as those
0: go. Yeah. Let's see. Uh,
1: I'm trying to think of other spooky RPGs. I do, I do want to expound on Sweet Home for just a little bit, because that is a very strange game and the uh, avowed inspiration for Resident Evil Hmm. it was based off of a Japanese horror movie uh, that has essentially no presence in English in terms of uh, because like people typically who know what Sweet Home is uh, among Americans typically just know it from oh the game that inspired Resident Evil so I'm not actually sure as to the film's quality but it's a very odd game Uh, you have like five characters who each have a special ability that is supposed to help them uh, get through this cursed house Uh, you get into RPG combat and it's a lot of inventory management very mean Hmm. Uh, if one of the characters dies they're just dead Uh, you can split them off into groups, I think there's like maximum three to a group uh, which means that no matter what you do, one group is always going to be short-handed. Uh, it's it's a very mean game, but it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, not sure how much I can recommend actually playing it. It's very difficult, but it's interesting. And I just wanted to expand on it a bit. Wills, how do you well, feel about Italy?
0: I don't actually know anything about it.
1: It was a very strange uh, Dreamcast game that is essentially a horror game parody. And I will forever recall it for one stupid exchange that I've definitely brought up before and I don't care because it's incredible. So at the beginning of the game all 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 of your character's friends get put into like haunted houses like a different haunted house and you have to go in and try to find them one of those friends uh, so like the, the premise is also that if you do this you'll get a million dollars and one of your friends is talking about wanting to use this million dollar prize to purchase a single chainsaw <laughs> just hears about the prize and shouts I'd use the money to buy a chainsaw and cut my way to fame and fortune. I just... I've never had more questions for anyone than I have for that character.
0: I have so many questions.
1: In terms of what the hell was going on with that. Yes. It was developed by a company called Crazy Games.
0: That can't be real. (laughs) And it was... uh,
1: It's weird. It's basically Minesweeper. Uh, In terms of how it plays, it's 3D Minesweeper. Okay. You walk into a room, and you tag things that you think the game will try to scare you with. And every time you get one right, you get some health back, and every time you get one wrong, you get hurt. Hmm. You also get hurt if you don't tag something, and it scares you, so... You know, it's basically my street (laughs) It's very strange. It has, like, weird pseudo... Like... You get sent to the battle dimension every so often. It's very strange. You have to run from combat, so there's almost RPG elements in it. Not meaningful ones, but they're in there. Uh, And you escape from combat, no matter where you are, by attaching to a ladder from a helicopter. Uh, It's a weird game and it uh, proclaimed in one of its English trailers that uh, you'd puke with pleasure. And I uh, oh. definitely brought up this incredible uh, final tagline. One of the English promotional uh, videos says that you will shit with fear. Great. Actual it's, words? <laughs> yeah. It bleeps out shit, but it, it says, say, y'all with fear. Ah. Uh. So that's uh, wonderful. Crazy Games was not long for this world. I believe the producer on the game died shortly after its release.
0: Oh, Jesus. Okay. I'd need Played to double check that.
1: <laughs> Bit of a shame. Yeah. So, yeah, that's.
2: Uh, so for other Halloween themed ones, Yakuza of the Dead, or Of the End, or whatever it was.
1: Yeah, known in, known in the West as Dead Souls. Uh, shooting mechanics not so great but it is kind of it is definitely a funny game so yeah and another one
2: and another only in Japan one um, um, Yakata Midnight Project oh yeah which was very creepy by the end very creepy especially the last set of bosses Uh, so
1: and uh, if If you want your eyes to fall out while you're being spooked, uh, this is not an RPG, but it's too weird not to bring up. And that is uh, Innsmouth no Yakata, which is a virtual boy exclusive first person.
2: The house house in Innsmouth? Oh, that is not going to end well.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's a virtual boy exclusive. Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
2: uh, Based on the shadow over Innsmouth.
1: Yep, and it is odd to say the least, <laughs> but it's unique. Uh, horror games were still kind of in their infancy at the time, and it shows this does not play like anything else in the world. So there's that. And, you know, Virtual Boy game, so basically unviewable uh, and slightly menacing at all times because it's entirely in red and black. <laughs>
0: Oh, I just remembered what creepy game I was going to bring up. Yeah, we actually mentioned it earlier. Majora's Mask. Oh yeah, that is that game weird is... and unsettling yeah. in a lot of places. Most places, especially the fact that Always... all the masks you get are from dead characters. <laughs> yeah, the transformation
1: masks are you binding someone's soul into a mask? Yeah, and wearing it. There's that. Oh man, there's that incredibly messed up uh, bit right at the. Uh, I think it's during the credits. So, like, the first mask that you get, the Deku mask, it's not clear where it came from. But (laughs) there's a guy that you can meet who's like, you look like my son when you're wearing that mask. And then, like, I think it's in the credits you can see him, and there's, like, this, this disfigured stump that's near the beginning of the game that you don't pay much mind to. And then when you... Uh, like at the end of the game, you can see him just sort of like mourning over that disfigured stump, and it's like, oh, that's where it came from. Ugh. It's a, it's an odd, un- it's such an uncanny game. I really yeah. love how it's like, it's using your, un- your knowledge of Ocarina of Time to unsettle you.
0: <laughs> yes, and if you, and you can always go read that, and or I think there's a video version. Yes, that weird like creepy pasta of the haunted. Oh, good old George. Ben Brown. Yes.
1: But oh, the other thing I would uh, I wanted to bring up is like what the hell is this doing in this like Zelda game? Was the the little girl who's like trapped her like slowly mum- magically mummifying dad in a closet? <laughs> okay. Like that just hellish image? Like, you you have to trick your way into the house because she won't, like, open the door for anyone. So you, like, create a commotion outside and then run in when she goes out to check it. And then it's, like, her dad who's slowly turning into a Gibdo. (laughs) And it's just, like, what is happening here? Is that in
0: Majora's Mask? Yes, that is in Majora's
1: Mask. You you have to do that because that's the only way you can talk to the Gib-go, Gibdo at the bottom of the well, so you can get them out of the way. <laughs> you have to use the song. Like that's one one of the happy endings in that game. You use the song of healing on him, and suddenly, he's, like it stops him from turning into a Gibdo. It traps the Gibdo Gurs into a mask. Well,
0: the song but, of healing. It's, a, it's such a unsettling song.
1: It, it's an off. It's it's a it's very gross. unsettling song. <laughs> yeah. There's so many weird things in that game where you have to like save cows from the aliens. <laughs> oh yeah, and if you fail to save the cows, like the girl who's trying to help you save them gets like kidnapped by like abducted and then like she's brought back but it's she's basically just gone like mentally.
0: Yeah.
1: And like that makes it worse.
2: <laughs> Which is why you have a reset button on that game. Yeah. Yeah. Or a literal reset button on the story.
1: It's important. There's also... Oh, man. One of my favorite, like, weird things... Like, that game is full of strange interactions. And one of my personal favorites is... There's a guy uh, who, on the first night, will attempt to steal a uh, delivery of bombs to the bomb shop. So he'll, like, grab the bag and start running off. You can... Like, the proper way to resolve that quest is that you... Uh, slice at him and he drops the bag and runs. If you shoot an arrow at the bag, it explodes and he just disappears. He dies. And you just... (laughs) You won't see him again on that cycle. Chunky Salsa. Yeah. They they gave us the discretion of not showing the Chunky Salsa, but (laughs) Chunky Salsa. Oh, man. I love all the weird interactions in that game. There's like... Oh, man. I always loved the, uh, oh, this is this is a fun one. Like, this is the, the entire, the, the creepypasta that Wheels brought up a while ago, Ben Dream, The entirety of that can essentially be traced back to the incredibly upsetting uh, song that you learn near the end of the game, The Elegy of Emptiness, that creates, like, a statue version of whoever played it. Oh, God. And it's a really upsetting statue. <laughs> oh, God. Statue. <laughs> oh, God. I forget what the who like. It's someone on the development team. Like Link is a caricature of someone on the dev team for that statue. (laughs) Let's see if I can get the okay. Oh god, it's like it's it's unsettling because it's really trying to look more like a human face than was ever really the case in any like, Ocarina of Time was treated as like and its art style was treated as the more realistic uh, look than Wind Waker, and it is, but it's still a very stylized look compared to trying to directly mimic a human face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game is just full of that shit.
0: Yeah, like the the happy mask salesman who says, you've met with a terrible fate. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean he's just commenting on the fact that you're trapped inside the form of a Deku scrub. He's like You've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? It's just And then you like tell him you haven't gotten the mask and he just short starts shaking you. (laughs) But like all all of the songs in Majora's Mask are typically like songs that are sort of uh, like, the the names are always sort of drawing on, like, the idea of, like, something a little off. So, like, you know, an elegy is something you play at a funeral. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: Oh, so good. So oh, weird. I
0: remember first getting that game. It's like, oh, sweet, yes, more Zelda on Man 64 and starting to play. It's just like... <laughs> What in the sweet house is this?
1: It's great. I love it. <laughs> it's
0: it's so. Good. It took
1: a lot of getting used to. but yeah. I, I love it.
0: It's it's a game that really grows on you.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that like I didn't fully appreciate at first, and like over time, I grew to like more and more. So. No, I think
0: uh, appreciating that game has definitely definitely helped me appreciate uh, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter.
1: Yeah, we'll it's later. definitely they're both sort of relying on a sense of loss and ephemerality. Yeah. <laughs> du, 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 weird weird
0: du. games are good. Do weird things with your design.
1: And like it learn to like this is this is I don't want to do like a full lecture here, but you know, like a lot of games will be a lot more fun if you start seeking out. If you if the game is weird, approach it on the level that it's asking you to. Like just give it some time, being what it to try to figure out what it's doing.
0: Yes. Except that your weapons will break instead of getting mad that you can't have an endless collection of shiny shiny things. For example. Yes. Yeah. I mean, as
2: long as the game is good about giving you access to replacements.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the the weapons in Breath of the Wild are sort of like ammo in the sense of, like, anything that you're going to use them on is going to give you another one. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I was thinking, like, Final Fantasy Legend 2, where you can see how many uses of the weapon you have left. And yeah, like... It, and, and, like yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and anybody who's really upset about a sword having only 40 uses ha- fails to realize that, that for, those 40 uses will get you through to the at least the middle of the second world, at which point you will have plenty of replacement weapons. Yeah. And, and if not, you'll have plenty of money to replace them with. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Like, like the, the goofus and gallant of these, these ideas are things like Final Fantasy Legend and... Uh, like, I, I also want to bring up in Final Fantasy Legend's case... Like, saga games are infamous for being, you know, heavily random, but, like, those games are not going to, like, trick you about how many uses you have of something. Like, that's something that you need to be able to, you know, to have any use for a tool. So, you know, they don't randomize that in any sense.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've played games where weapons did have a random break quotient and that's really annoying when you don't know if they're going to happen at any point yeah
1: I remember the
2: cursed game lunar dragon song does that yeah so did blue forest story which is the first game I thought of here which you've never played Um, but yeah yeah, it was like the higher the quality of the weapon the less likely it was to break after battle but that was Still, at least one time where I lost an A rank weapon after two fights.
0: Ew. Yeah.
2: So, unlike, or as opposed to say, um, Hero Land, which also occasionally had weapons break, but it gave you a, a relatively good idea of the odds of it happening after each scene. So they wouldn't break in the middle of a battle or in the middle of a sequence. They would break after you beat the boss. Oh. And you would have to buy a replacement or just deal with use a different one. But it never left you in the lurch.
1: Yeah. Like, it could only break at a point where you had some sort of capacity to do something about it. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Okay. Do we have any other questions? Um. Uh, nothing. Uh, what that am I saying? W- we got tens of other questions. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nothing that wouldn't be from the old west.
2: Yeah. us see. what's a good one here. Okay. One I can. Act- I should probably be the one to answer. On the the long ass Q and A list. What's the number? Number eleven. There seems to be quite a good number of tabletop RPGs native to Japan, like Sword World and Tokyo Nova. I wonder if there has been any video game that adapts their settings and rule sets. Honestly, I can only think of one. And that's Sword World. Yeah,
1: I've heard of a Um, Sword World.
2: Yeah, Sword Sword World has had at least two direct game adaptations I know of. One is a traditional JRPG for Super Famicom and the other one was a game book adventure mm-hmm. game for DS. And I, I'm pretty sure some of the anime series that developed from it, and let's include Lotus War here too, even though that was a DD and d game, um, the, some of those have had game adaptations as well.
0: Hmm.
2: But most of the others, I mean, he mentions Tokyo Nova, but there's also Arion Rod and... Um, uh, Night Wizard, and a few, a bunch of others. Um, and the thing being that these... I mean, even for Japan, this is a niche hobby. Yeah. And...
1: I'd uh, raise its profile just by turning them into games.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and Japanese RPGs are already such a varied genre, or have been historically... That there's really been no need to delve into a pro, somebody else's proprietary game system or setting.
1: I guess that's that's kind of the thing is that in order for these to be adapted, they would have to have they it seems like they would have to proactively seek out a developer to make specifically like a sword world, RPG or similar.
2: Or vice versa, a developer deciding to license a series that was considered popular enough to be worth the effort. Yeah, and they're niche enough that they aren't.
1: Yeah, like it's it's very much like a case of, if one of them was popular enough, that would happen. But since they aren't, like the publishers would have to seek out and fund a game, and that's not going to happen either.
2: Yeah. So I mean, which that said, it did happen with Sword World a few times, and yeah. with Sword World based series, and um, let's talk about op- load off. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: and obviously the majority of Japanese JRPG developers in the 80s and early 90s were big fans of Dungeons & Dragons, Yeah, considering how they Final Fantasy completely ripped off the fiend folio. <laughs> Look, anyone, that displacer beast could have come from anywhere. Oh, it was a cool, albeit. I mean, the uh, the elemental... I mean, Final Fantasy One is heavily inspired by the temple of elemental evil. It we're has to be. It's around heavily inspired. Listen, mind flayers are a local are, legend. they are. They're clearly not four elemental off. themes. Four elemental themes have risen up and displaced <laughs> the actual <laughs> elemental powers of the world. Yeah, like if you look at FF
1: one's, like it's relatively threadbare plot. It's basically a D anD D scenario.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a anD scenario, and what the key item is something that is an idea that was intrinsic to Temple of Elemental Evil. Nothing else about it was, but... Um, yeah. And then you had the Elemental Fiend of Fire, who was basically... What did they call her in the English translation? Because I'm sure they didn't use the Japanese name. What? They call her Carrie. Yeah, that one... Oh, I can't remember exactly what it was in Japanese, but it was definitely named after an actual demon. It proprietarily owned demon in the uh, d Fiend Folio.
1: I'm looking this... Uh, I am seeing that it was called Marilith.
2: Yes, Marilith, Marilith. If you look at Marilith, you get Forgotten Realms wiki page. It's a <laughs> it's a variety of demon in Dungeons and Dragons, humanoid snake women with six arms.
1: We are not getting sued.
2: <laughs> yep. I mean, and some of the others, like, like Ochu, Jake. which nobody ever really noticed because the uh, transition from whatever it is in English to Katakana and back, and nobody could figure out what it was supposed to be spelled.
1: Yeah, wow, they just fucking stole that, or whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is true of a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. Just like, whatever, man. Yeah. But yeah, basically there, the question is... Or the answer is that none of the homegrown series were had a popular enough fan base, or had a big enough fan base, but they weren't popular enough to warrant that.
1: I'm curious, like, what kind of audience, like, how tabletop uh, games do, like, not, like, non-just traditional ones, but, like, tabletop games as a whole do in Japan? Because, like, they're kind of, like, on uh, well, an in up- the U.S.
2: I mean... Well, they were doing well enough that before the pandemic, for the last few years, um, there was like a game day in the bookstore downtown. That's cool. Yeah, I've I've passed by it a few times. I never actually tried to sit in. It was was like multiple different games on different tables. Yeah. Going through different things. I never felt confident enough in my spoken Japanese to really try. So. Though I do have a copy of Night Wizard in on the shelf in the other room just because i found it cheap at the bookstore
1: yeah yeah i remember once hearing that uh among the most baffling products i'd ever heard of was that uh there was apparently a like rule book released for playing tabletop atrian odyssey and it was just like It was just an awful rule set to actually play with because it was just it had basically just taken formulas straight from the game and just shoved them into a rule book.
2: There's the other issue being that you can get away with math in the video game that you can't with an actual tabletop. Yeah, like
1: the something that a tabletop uh, RPG always sort of has to deal with is that like their
2: formulas have to be something you can figure out pretty dang quickly. Yeah, though I'm remembering a story about the game which shall not be named. Yeah, and how at one point it said you you might um it's like in its introduction of saying oh you'll only have to do a little bit of math you know nothing too hard and it proceeds to describe a section that involved quadratic equations. Yep, we are definitely thinking of the same game that shall not be named. Yes. Uh,
1: yeah, it's uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's a, that's like a cardinal sin for a tabletop RPG is just making making the math complex enough that resolving what just happened isn't worth your time.
2: Yeah. Which is one of the definitive ways where video games are better than tabletop RPGs.
1: Yeah, like, video games, you can do all of these, like, really specific formulas to get the exact kind of numbers that you want, whereas, like, tabletop kind of has to rely on get kind of the numbers you want and
2: then let the DM make up the space in between. (laughs) Whereas on the opposite end, the reason tabletops are better than... Um, than video games is because you can actually go outside the rule set and think of and just imagine stuff. Yeah,
1: like your DM can decide what, it can help you like draw out something that you couldn't do in a game because the game just has to, the game has to put its foot down somewhere.
2: Or the game itself actually has more options than the JRPG ever could. Yeah. It just keeps the the actual math to a minimum. Yeah.
0: Thank you.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Uh That's
1: uh there's there's your Japanese tabletop game. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Now I would love to see Knights of Pen and Paper Japanese version. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. Actually I think I semi answered a different question on here. What's
1: that?
2: Um Did did a back up back up or this? it says. Why, number four, why did Square choose Crystals to be the plot devices of Final Fantasy 1 and then the entire franchise?
0: Because. Yeah. Uh, well, they
2: didn't, like I was saying, they didn't quite. They chose the four elements to yeah, be yeah. the plot they device. They those elements with Crystals. Yeah. <laughs> and it looked really cool. Yeah. And I'm I mean, sure if you look I'm back, you sure could probably find some anime that did something similar.
1: People have been going after the shiny rocks for century, all of time, so...
2: Yeah. I mean, it just... It kind of... I mean, they needed something to stand in. They needed... And, um... Work it's with the elemental like, thing. And it just worked, so they kept reusing it again.
1: Crystal, crystals are intrinsically sort of like, well, they had to come from the Earth, so...
2: Yeah. So, I mean, so yeah, Final Fantasy one, three, four, five.
1: And I mean, like, they'll always have something that could be analogous to crystals. I can't think of a single one that doesn't have something crystal analogous, but... Yeah. How much... The, like, the crystals ended up becoming a stand-in for, like... Like, eventually they lose, like, the inherent connection to specific elements, but they do remain, like, a stand-in for nature.
2: Yeah. Or, like, the cri- the singular crystal in Final Fantasy IX, which is the heart of the universe.
1: Yeah. Like, it is, uh, like, sort of a gigantic metaphor for, like, the way things are supposed to be. Yeah. So, you get that, uh, like, you get to the idea of, like, uh, materia in Final Fantasy VII, which is, like, all the most powerful materia are things that have, where nature has been allowed to just sort of do things for forever and has been left unspoiled. Or,
2: or uh, uh, the mana seeds from Secret of Mana. Yeah. So
1: it's you're, you're, the, the short answer is that they existed to represent nature, and the, the long answer is that uh, a long uh, discussion about cultural associations with what nature means. So.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and a fairly shorter discussion being that once they found something that just worked and it clicked with the audience, they kept repeating it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where, like, you need those sort of repeating motifs in order to make sure yeah. that people still think of it as the same franchise, even though it's rarely in the
2: same world and rarely with the same characters. I mean, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still remember the Dance Crystals intro to that game, <laughs> on the start screen.
1: Good old Zash.
2: Yeah. And the uh, and then there's the the Fate Stones and Romancing Saga. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's I mean, which I mean, we've discussed Romancing Saga is basically Kalazu's personal D and D campaign. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, yeah, that kind of thing.
1: Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that's that's our best guess, unless something comes out and contradicts it specifically, that, like, yeah, it's basically just uh, rocks come from the earth, and that's how we represent the elements, so. hmm Okay. Okay, so... So that's, uh,
2: that's what I've got for that. Um, okay. um, anything else? Or is it getting too late for Wheels? Yeah, is Wheels he... seems to be slowly dying. Yeah, he's, I mean, it's past I already,
0: 1 I a.m. I already dozed off earlier, so... Probably... Yeah, yeah, okay,
1: we should call it uh, yeah. Thank you to everyone who... Uh, put questions in. Uh, that would be, in this case, uh, Pudai, Crawl area, and Fireminer. Thank you to all of you. Uh,
2: oh, wait a minute. Forgot the plug. Yeah, and I was about to throw it to you to plug, so... <laughs> okay, so yes, uh, week, the weekly plug for Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, Mike Elie Aramizu, nine episodes on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Okay, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Pick up, look at... Have a look, pick it up. Still working on the third paperback collection slowly and trying to figure out exactly why it went weird from one version to another. Again. eh. So. Yeah. Uh, And uh, was it Fireminer who said he had read part of it a while back? uh, Yeah. Yeah, because he actually included it in this list of questions at one point. (laughs) So yes, Fireminer, dude. Let me know what you think of the rest of the series, because I know you've read the first one, first episode. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was the first PS on the end of his old question list.
1: Ah, gotcha, gotcha. But uh, otherwise, uh, questions in the podcast section or the comment section, as has been clear this episode, we will read from both. Mm -hmm. And Otherwise, I think that wraps it up. So see you, Space Capitals.